filmed in front of a live studio audience, including a half-finished Reuben sandwich. <laughs> it's the Dicebreaker Podcast with your host, Matt Jarvis. I like to consider myself a fully finished Reuben sandwich. Thank you very much, Wills. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm amazed you made it through that without just like uh, a bit you, of sandwich coming back up. It's... You got to watch me just wolf it down. It was a, yeah. I will say it was a great sandwich. Uh, half-finished was just part of the joke. I have fully finished the sandwich. Uh, it was absolutely delicious. It is merely a napkin in a box by now. Uh, but the uh, the best thing about it, to be honest, was the um, was the delicious sauce, which is uh, all primed to go all over my face. But mm. as far as I can Somehow, tell, yeah, I'm all good. A minor a minor miracle. There is absolutely no sauce on your face, Mr. Wheeler. You're mm. very welcome, everyone. See, well we, this is we should really start doing pre-shows where it's just <laughs> one of us wolfing down food in the space of about five minutes because we've forgotten to yeah. have lunch or it hasn't turned up. Mm. Uh, and then a, the others yeah, just comment on it. The real premium viewer experience. Uh, <laughs> yeah, membership. The membership videos. Those Breaker Plus members do get access to a live feed of me eating my lunch. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> lunch cam. Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, everyone. It's Friday. Welcome back. It's the first... Dicebreaker podcast. It's uh, yeah. yeah, it's Friday, November nineteenth. We are live, uh, very live, as it turns out, because yes, sandwich and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Matt Jarvis. I'm your host. I'm joined this week by two of the team: uh, Michael Wills Wheel and Sandwich Eater Extraordinaire. Yep, delicious sandwich. Glad to be here. Uh, was was a tight one, but we made it. We made mm-hmm. it. Awesome mm-hmm. sandwiches done quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, speed runner. Uh, yeah, speedrunner strats. Um, <laughs> hello, everyone. This is a speedrun for Ruben Sandwich. Is that an impression of Wheels? Buttman sixty nine here. Uh, that's just an impression of speed speedrunner. All speedrunners speed sound exactly yeah, like they that. They all sound like that. <laughs> okay, uh, <laughs> and Alex Meehan. Hello, welcome. How are you doing? I'm all right. I didn't eat a Ruben Sandwich, but I propose that my More membership video. Uh, contribution is me transferring my washing to the tumble dryer. Whoa! Yeah, wow. it's thrilling stuff. Sometimes a, a sock might fly out onto the floor, and I'll be like, "Damn it!" <laughs> is there <laughs> a particular I... food you can you can eat quickly? This is this is me. The... Uh, I mean, I <laughs> I just shovel all food in this gaping <laughs> moor of mine. Um, yeah, I mean, I I can eat a. Things that I really enjoy, like sweets, I eat very quickly, or um, like bis- certain biscuits, uh, like certain a pink pamper wafer biscuit. Oh yeah, right oh, I'm on that, yeah, delicious. Mm, barely, mm. barely touches the sides. That one, the tang, the delicious yeah. tang of yeah. pink wafer. They're incredible, at just instantly absorbing all moisture as well, like mm-hmm. in your yep. mouth. It's just like. Where once I had saliva, now no, it I is just <laughs> like a like a cream cracker. Mm-hmm. Did you ever do that that uh, challenge where you have to eat as many cream crackers as you could? That sounds. I mean, terrible. that's that's most of my life, to be honest. No, no, no. <laughs> but I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, in one go, like you couldn't drink water, like you had to just keep eating them until your mouth. That's like a really elongated version of like the cinnamon challenge. Mm. You know, well, yeah, the coughing like, comes in... after a slow burn. Until your mouth just feels like a like a litter tray, just uh, yeah. That and the donut one where you had to eat a jam donut and not lick your. your uh, we did that yeah. in, that in uh, junior school, yeah. yeah. Mm. And then I mean, there I... was there was one time where my principal uh, 
like got one of us to come up and squeeze out a tube of toothpaste. And then he was like, all right, now put all the toothpaste back in. He was oh, like, what? And he was like, well, it's very easy to, to say something, but it's very difficult to take it back. And everyone's like, okay. You could have just told us that without yeah. wasting an entire tube of toothpaste. <laughs> Terrible. Lost uh, us kids, I think. But, but what, it's what worth, do we my... do? What do we do on here, Matt? Oh, well, I was going to say yes, about my, my family has a, um, has a kind of like tradition I suppose, involving um, creme caramels. You know, the ones that you flip upside down, then pull oh, it out and they drop out the thing. Uh, and if you put them on a plate, the challenge is to basically just absorb it in one go. Oh, uh, like put oh, your face that down over it and just go. Sick. No! Those things are disgusting. Uh, yeah, Not at least one it. close family member of mine did that and then immediately had it explode out of her nostrils. <laughs> uh, <laughs> This is a family podcast. <laughs> Disgusting. Creme caramels are for everyone, Mian. They are. Yeah, not gross stuff. They're gross delicious. Story. They're not gross. It's not gross food. No, it's gross when it comes out of your nose. Well, yeah, ish. I no, mean, that's not the intended yeah. vessel for them. That's not. It's not <laughs> creme caramel's fault. However, creme caramels are disgusting. Yeah, I hate that's them. the classic creme caramel tagline. Pull the tab out the nostrils. There we go. No, <laughs> Matt Jarvis. What do we do on this podcast? Uh, as well as talking about food, we talk about board games, tabletop <laughs> games, and RPGs, and all sorts of stuff. Uh, and we'll get right into that, shall we? Let's let's chat about what we've been playing this week. Uh, Alex Meehan. Oh, no. Let's start with you this week. What have you been up to? Oh, I've been singled out. Um, so I'm going to be very honest with you. I've not played very much this week on the tabletop side of things because we were going to play some games and then things happened this week. Yeah, bad times. Uh, and it just meant that we couldn't do that. So we're going to attempt to do that again some other time and probably fail because the universe seems to be against us. Uh, <laughs> either way... I did manage to play one board game uh, with a, a certain person who was just eating a Reuben sandwich. That person is Michael Wheeler. It's, it's me. It's DDP. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's your boy. Uh, what well, we played the I need to get this right. The Elder Scrolls Five Skyrim <laughs> colon adventure game. The colon adventure, adventure game. game. And then the I'm, board of I'm the no, game uh, says uh, the board uh, game. Ah, 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 It's just adventure Is game. it just adventure Don't game? Don't test me on this. I've written this title <laughs> many times. Uh, yeah, I think it should be just the board game or the adventure game. But obviously they... The it thing should, is... It should just be Skyrim the board game. But instead... <laughs> brand... The thing is, Modifius, the publishing company behind the board game, uh, I've also made a game based on The Elder Scrolls Skyrim, uh, Call to Arms, which is a miniatures game. So maybe they're just not trying to, you know, get too stuck in one particular corner. Uh, I don't know. Either way. There's uh, also the one from Chip Fury, right? Do you remember what that one does? It have does that one have a name? Because I feel no. like at some point there's going to be so many. Yeah. Much yeah. like the original Skyrim, it will be released mm. 400 in times. Every, yeah, on different... every conceivable platform. Yeah, in different ways. So, yeah. what Matt Jarvis was talking about is, uh, earlier this year, I believe, Chip Fury Games, you make too many bones. Yeah. Um... Stop making all these bones, Chip Fury Games. 
Chipfree game two, in my opinion, make too many bones. <laughs> this is not the Lion King, okay? Um, no, you don't. They uh, they did a mysterious teaser on Twitter of um, essentially using the logo for the Elder Scrolls Online. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Um, the, however, yeah. it is not an Elder Scrolls Online game. Apparently, despite that, that they used the logo for that game. So I'm just out. saying, in my defense, it was fairly clear to me, but obviously not. The oldest calls um, online, offline. Yeah, I was like, what are they going to go with this one? Uh, <laughs> anyway, besides the point, we're getting sidetracked, as we always do. Um, the Elder Scrolls. Five Skyrim adventure game. That's the last time we're going to say that. Um, <laughs> the Skyrim uh, game. <laughs> yeah, Skyrim board game um, is uh, currently available on tabletop simulator for anyone to play. Not for just free. Fresh, you can play it right now. So, but but listen to us and and go read the article I just put on the website and, and then watch the let's play that's coming yeah. out this weekend. <laughs> yeah, uh, please do that. Um, it's currently on GameFound, which is another kind of um, uh, crowdfunding platform apart from Kickstarter. Um, and it is basically what you could imagine a Skyrim board game to be. Like, it is exactly what you imagine a Skyrim board game to be. It, it is uh, the entirety of Skyrim is the board, the, the region, um, you know, all the all these cities are in exactly the place that you remember them from the map. Um, you can play as one of several species uh, from the original video game, but not all of them are in there. Some of them are in expansion packs, of course. Cheeky. Mm, uh, so if you wanted to play as a Bosma, like I like to, you can't. So uh, unless you buy the Dawn Guard expansion pack, there's no Argonian um, in the base game as well, so you can't be a yeah, Lusty Argonian awesome mage, which is one of the uh, the greatest parts of the Elder Scrolls franchise in general. So uh, yeah, it's a zero out of ten for me. <laughs> um, I believe what my memory serves, you can be a Kashit, you can be a Nord, uh, an Ultima, a Dunma. Uh, and an Imperial. I think are all of the available options in the base game. Uh, and with each of those different playable species, um, they kind of have s starting like um, abilities that are unique to those species, uh, which sucks a bit because I hate it when RPGs and board games do that because species shouldn't have specific traits and things like that because it's kind of like a gross leftover of uh, yeah, some like troubling right. reductive yeah i know other games um are much worse or do much worse with this <laughs> D D, but um you know uh, it still sucks anyway uh i the... think yeah, with this one it's it's less like you are a nord and therefore you have this it's more just this is the nord and this is their stats sort of thing yeah yeah because um... there's only one you know like yeah, so, but even though you have these, like, starting abilities and stats and whatever, um, you can effectively create whatever character you like. Like, you're not restricted to, this is the path that you follow, this is how you level up. You can literally choose any skills you like, and you level up by doing the things you expect 
to level up from. So you do quests will sometimes give you experience. Going into dungeons and fighting enemies will give you experience. Uh, and then you can spend that experience when you've got the right amount. And those amounts, you kind of have tiers. And like the first tier is like seven experience or something. And then from there, you need more and more and more. And then when you fill all those skills up, you can start flipping them over to get better bonuses from those skills uh, further along. So it's what, it's a game that is very clearly intended to play, be played over hours and hours and hours. Uh, and here, herein lies the issue from my perspective. Um, this game is not very compelling to me mm. because essentially, uh, don't get me wrong, I love Skyrim. Like back in the day, 2011, Jesus. Uh, I, I mm. know. <laughs> As of uh, eight days ago, 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. the 11th. Yeah. Um, you know, when I got that game, I played the hell out of it. I loved it. Not as good as Oblivion. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, just got to say it. But, yeah, let's just, you know, let's just put that out here like, right now. <laughs> um, but the, the problem is, since then, you know, video games have come a long way, and so have board games. And there are, at this time, uh, several board games out there that provide this kind of RPG-like dungeon-crawling experience, but much better. <laughs> Because essentially, it feels like because this game is so faithful to the original video game, that it feels like it's left, it's been left behind, like a lot of this stuff. So, for example, I will say I feel like the way that the quest lines work is quite good, because essentially, Wheels and I started this this same campaign uh, from different, entirely different parts of the map. Like the way we got into it was very different. We got these little cards it's like oh wills was in a prison i think and i was i was trapped somewhere or something uh and um we both got drawn into this quest like through different means and then kind of went off in our different ways but we were still pursuing the same sort of plot line i think um chris from Modifius, who was uh demoing it for us described it as like a pyramid so we all hmm. start at very wide different points but then as we work through our storylines, we start to converge until we're all meeting at the same ending, which is yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, which is kind of, which is cool. And then every time we complete a quest, and you don't need to necessarily succeed to complete a quest, you can fail it, but still progress. Um, you get an option of where you want to go next. So it's like, do you want to do this or this? And then you select the card, and then it continues the, the quest line that way. So in many ways, yes, it feels very much like Skyrim in that regard. But also it feels very much like Skyrim in the fact that the narrative is basically very bare bones. There are some names that yeah. feel very, very fantasy generic. Um, you know, the options are like, do you want to hire some mercenaries or do you want to do this alone? And it's this very is what much... I was going to ask. Are there, can, are there actual options within those quests then? For instance, like, can There's... you just turn on someone and kind of take the, like, the running? No, nothing like, like that. Saw, it's nothing yeah. like that. From what we saw, there were two options per card. Right. And like, and again, this was a demo, so it might not be very yeah, indicative might... of the of the biggest stuff, but like the options me and me and had were like, you want to go in this cave? Do you want to take a, a big, strong mercenary or a smart mercenary? And yeah, like, there, okay. there were a lot of <laughs> options that were like, do you want to hire someone or do you want... So essentially, it's nothing like, do you want to betray your childhood friend and, and 
for for the sake of an inch of power. It's nothing like that. It's more like, do you yeah, do you want to hire this person or do you want to just do this? Mm. So, but again, that felt very much like Skyrim because here's the deal, everyone. I'm I'm pulling my chair around for you. Here's the real talk. Cap okay. is being slid backwards. Yeah. Um, personally, I think that especially Skyrim. Um, the Elder Scrolls games are just very narratively shallow <laughs> compared to a lot of video game RPGs out there. But the benefit of that is that you can do kind of things any way you like from any order, as long as it doesn't break the game. Um, you know, and that's the kind of big appeal of a game like Skyrim. The problem is, this is a board game. Board games work differently from video games. So that big benefit you've got of like, oh, I'm going to run over here and stab a mammoth, and then I'm going to go and steal that person's cheese wheel. You can't do that really directly in this board game. You can go to the wilderness and maybe you'll find a mammoth or something, and you can go and buy a cheese wheel. But like, it's not, it doesn't, it's not one for one and it never will be. The problem here is that the Skyrim board game looks at the Skyrim video game as like, we're going to do exactly that. And I'm like, I don't think that's going to work so well. Guess what? You're a board game. Maybe you should do things that board games do well so instead. I, I completely agree. And I think what's really interesting is the game that it reminded me the most of was Tales of the Arabian Nights, uh, where it's like this big board with a map. And you go to places and you do things and you choose an option. Whereas Tales of the Arabian Nights, which is a far, far older game, uh, I think mechanically is so much more interesting because... First of all, as you say, me, and it's not like I'm going to go here because I want to do the thing. It's I have this quest and I get two options, but I'm still going to have to do one of these at some point. Yeah. Otherwise we lose. Um, whereas with Arabian Nights, again, it's like you go to a place and that place has its own thing that you can stumble upon. I think the way it works in that game is like you always have a set list of actions you can do. Like they're like verbs. So mm. it's like if there's a cave, you might choose the enter one. And when you combine those two, you know, codes or whatever, you get the new entry, which means that you can end up in situations where you enter the dragon and stuff like that. Um, but like, there's, uh, there's well, like the film, exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's Sorry. there's far more choice, right? Whereas with yeah. with this, as we saw, and again, it was the tutorial, it was a demo, so maybe it like opens up a little bit. But it was like it was two options of like how would you like to do the exact same thing, which is essentially Fallout Four, right? That's what they're really emulating. It's the, like I mean, <laughs> go do this quest. Thing... You have two dialogue options. You can either say yes or you can very sarcastically <laughs> say yes. <laughs> the thing is, right? Um, I will say this: the game itself, there is clearly a lot you can do. Like mm -hmm. you can genuinely ignore the quest. And just kind of go off to uh, Wills and I went off to a dungeon and just fought some mud crabs because we wanted to, and then you get some loot from that. But he here's the other thing: <laughs> that experience was very eh. like yeah. it was. It was like the combat is fine. Don't get me wrong. Like dice based combat, you know, there were some fun things with some of the skill quests. For example, you'll you'll be able to you'll have a better chance of passing certain skill tests if you have specific skills that relate to that kind of thing so wills's character wanted to try and open a chest and if they had lock picking then it would have been easier for them but they didn't so therefore they failed it and it kind of like changed the way that they sort of changed the way that they approached the quest it was a bit different 
Uh, a lot of the time, it's like if you fail something, you just basically get fewer rewards rather than making any significant difference to like the storyline or what you can do. And it's a shame because there were some interesting things with the way that the different holds work. Sometimes you can do things that affect them. Uh, they're kind of like living places that react to like, oh, you've not done this certain quest, or oh, you allowed this monster to go to go there, and now now the people are in chaos and you can't buy things from there or go in there and stuff. That was kind of cool. Like again, that feels like Skyrim in the sense that the your your decisions, what you do kind of affects the world around you. But again, here's the problem. There are board games that are RPG inspired, dungeon crawler inspired, whatever, that that provide this kind of experience where you can go off and do like quests and develop your character and make decisions just much better. I mean, I've not, I've not played the scent legends of the dark, but Mr. Jarvis has. And from what you've said about that game, I would rather play Descent if I wanted this kind of experience than Skyrim, because it's like descent understands what a board game is. And is like, we can do these cool things with a board game. We're going to have this app that, I know jokes the app but the app like tells you this rich story that you can make decisions in that i believe directly impact the character's kind of experiences and story and things like that in a way that i just feel like again we only played a demo i just feel like the skyrim board game just won't <laughs> yeah listening to you talk about it it's like my <clears throat> experience of skyrim is the I largely ignored all the main quests until I had to do them. And then I just ran around. And basically, it was like that thing if you form a cat's cradle and then cut one string of it and see what happens. It's like, I'm going to randomly stab this person to see what happens. Or I'm going to steal from this person. Yeah, that's a big put... appeal. And that's that's yeah. 100% not an option in this game. That's like, what that's, I mean. It's like, yeah. it seems like it misses the, Cause... like, it's got the letter of Skyrim, but not the spirit of but, Skyrim. But like, he... I mean, you said, like, you can ignore the main quest, but actually, like, we couldn't because they had this. Yeah. Um, was it threat system? I think it's, it's a called. threat thing, which is basically doom from oh, like, just like pushes yeah, you along. Yeah. Like, you know, it keeps, say, it keeps increasing and blah blah blah, and then it you can technically ignore it, but the kind of negative outcomes you get from that is sucks because mm. it means that certain holds you just can't visit or you need to pay to visit. Well, it no, makes... I, I think I think you you've forgotten one bit of it, me, and which was that we had a oh. thing next to our character sheet that said if you ever like get too much threat on a main quest card the game ends so it was like oh, yeah. so we yeah. there was a there was a timer okay. on yeah, on the main right. quest yeah. so it was so, the, the most like antithetical thing to to an elder scrolls mm. game was that you if you didn't do the main story in time then the world ends and it's like oh, so okay. in many ways here here is the fundamental truth of this situation right the sky in the board game cannot do some of the best things that sky in the video does video game, sorry, does, because it is not a video game, it is a board game. And I think that's what it does not realise. It's like, we're going to do what the video game does. And I'm like, well done, son. Well done. But you're not this. And you need to embrace the fact that you're this, right? And that's what games like Descent Legends of the Dark and Gloomhaven like do. They're like, we are board games. We understand this. We're going to provide an RPG like experience in our own way, and I feel like Skyrim the board game just does not do that. Uh, it it's very much um, chasing the tail of a ten year old video game, and I will say this: 
if you love Skyrim, you'll probably really like this because it is that. But but for for someone like myself who has nostalgia for Skyrim, you know, enjoys it, but like has since found other RPG experiences that are much richer and kind of narratively fulfilling and interesting. It's just not enough for me. I did enjoy making loads of references, though. I was going to say, are there like, is there like an arrow in the knee card? Yeah, there is a guy. There apparently you meet the guy who gets the arrow in the knee. I don't know whether you witnessed the there's, event happening. There's this like, there was this moment when we were playing where um, Chris, who was showing it to us, person was was like, uh, oh, you you know, like there's there's loads of uh, fun references to like side characters in the game that you might recall and that you'd be like. Just saying names of people, I'm like, there is not a single character in the entirety of Skyrim that was memorable enough for me to know them by name and avoid yeah. <laughs> Like there's <laughs> but I'm not gonna remember any of these the people. Thing I'm is, sorry. The thing is the first campaign of the game takes place twenty five years before the events of the video game. The second campaign takes place during the events of the video game, concurrently, but not like directly as a part of that narrative. So you won't meet the dragonborn, for example. Like you won't have that interaction. There will be dragons. I don't know whether Oldwin will be involved, who is like the big bad of Skyrim. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'll be honest with you. Compared to Oblivion, there are a lot. Most of the characters in Skyrim I don't remember. Uh, I remember Bring Bringoff. Is it Bringoff? Who's like Sorry. the head of the Thieves Guild? Um, I I mean, he's not the Grey Fox, is he? Let's just be honest. (laughs) No, I mean, he's not the Grey Fox. He's not um, Valendreth, who is the best character in all of the Vivian. (laughs) Valendreth! Everyone will know my name. (laughs) You won't be saying that when I'm on the beach with your wife, you imperial pig. (laughs) This is the thing, though. Like, I do just think... um... Skyrim, Skyrim tried to do like a really all-encompassing thing with its game, right? Where it was just like it, you can you can just do some stuff. You like you, it doesn't really require that much uh, investment to play Skyrim. Like you can just sort of walk around and and like choose from a couple of dialogue options and get on with your day. I think that trying to um, push that as like oh, it's a big epic quest which has like a single narrative which has little side bits which you're gonna have on the side is is just not really what Skyrim was. And also, yeah. I think they've built it in a way that it isn't as meandering as it should be. It, which, which, like I said, games like Tales of the Arabian Nights, stuff like that, have already done in the board game space. Yeah. It's not that it's exactly. not. It's not that it's impossible. It's just like, yeah, yeah it wasn't like, really taken as an opportunity. Like there are games that allow you to kind of. It's not one for one, but kind of have that experience of being like, oh, I'm going to do this thing, and then I'm going to do this thing, and. You can go off in your own little corner and kind of, you know, sort of get on with it. But, like, another really big problem I had is the fact that this is, like, a multiplayer experience. Mm. And yet it felt like Wheels and I... We were just, like, in the same room, you know. We we went and fought some mud crabs, and that was fun. And and Wheels got the loot, but I didn't. Uh, And then we sort of went off, and that was it, like... It was, like, because it was part of the demo, Chris was like, why don't you, like, meet in the middle and do a dungeon together? And it was just like, yeah, we can. I don't know why we would, though. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I will say that it's quite fun that the dungeons get more difficult the better you get. Like, there Mm -hmm. is, like, a difficulty scaling system, sort of, where, like, 
if you get more stamina, more magicka, more health and things, the enemies kind of scale up to meet that, which is cool because it feels like, you know, you're getting stronger and the enemies are getting stronger to meet you and stuff. I feel like, to me, the coolest elements of the game were that uh, and the character development, like, in terms of, oh, I'm going to level up and get this skill and I'm going to buy this equipment and then I'm going to I'm gonna augment this thing, you know, get this enchantment. And it was kind of that clearly where, was where, like, a lot of the work and effort was put into and it felt kind of cool. I was like, oh, yeah. Like, again, very much like Skyrim, but it works in this format. Like, this is the difference. Um, you know, the, the the quest stuff, like the kind of player-to-player -player interaction. You know, like the things, the player-to-player -player interaction thing is unique to the board game, again. And it felt like they kind of didn't do anything with that, like... You know, this could have been a solo experience. And I think you can work together, particularly towards the end of like a quest line. I think sometimes you need to work together to kind of defeat the big bad or whatever. But like, obviously, we didn't experience that point because we were right at the beginning. But also, even then, it's like, okay, like, I don't know what happens in the Elder Scrolls Online because I've not played it. But, um, you know, maybe look at that and be like, oh, what do they do there? If you're going to have a multiplayer element, um, you know, utilize it. I don't I don't get board games unless think, they're like Euro games. I don't get board games that just don't do anything with that. I think there's a trend now of um, especially with like crowdfunded games where because it has to have everything, it has to have a solo mode. Um, and what I think a lot of board game publishers especially these big ones that are like, you know, pay us to make a game about your game sort of thing, not ones that are like, I am a designer making something from the ground up. I think what gets forgotten is that um, if you build your game specifically for it to have a solo mode, but the solo mode works exactly the same as the as the co-op mode, it's going to feel like lots of people are playing on their own at the same table. Like there needs mm -hmm. to be differences between the two styles of play, which is why usually you have a solo mode that is like a separate set of rules, mm. which you can then learn on the side, like with things like, you know, like Root or whatever it is. Um, with this, it very much felt like, you know, you could read the rule book uh, and know how to play the solo mode and the multiplayer mode, which is good, but also means that the multiplayer mode doesn't really have any player interaction that's really yeah. interesting or meaningful. No. Um, but yeah. But again... Skyrim, not a multiplayer game, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. Also, you know, obviously this was to be expected, but uh, the artwork for the game... It's just screenshots, yeah. <laughs> is it really? They, the, it really the is. The character art was just like, you know, like the character oh trailer the start God. of the game, like, I am an Ord. It's like, <laughs> okay. <a> T-Post. <laughs> I was playing an, the Altmer, the High Elf, and those facial designs... They really are like just something to look at. Like they really just what looking I want, at that. I want them to make an Oblivion game and use the art from the game because that would be one of the funniest things I've ever seen. The thing is, I know because here's the thing though. Like Wheels and I have a very deep nostalgic love for Oblivion, and that game looks like garbage, right? Mm. But it's a special kind of garbage which is full of bloom. Uh, whereas Skyrim, because I, I suppose I don't have, <laughs> yeah, I I don't have that nostalgic connection to, to Skyrim as much, and I, I I think it lacks charm in comparison. But like, yeah, the the screenshots were, was a choice. Um, but again, not, it's just I, like it's you know that's the cheapest way to make a 
There must be content art for that game, though. Or, like, you know, yeah. there will be renders and so on. Cause, yeah, yeah, I mean, I would have been down for them to take those designs and kind of... <laughs> God, Angel mm. Feet. To take those designs and... Um... <laughs> Sorry, Angel Feet has just said, Ah, the Emperor, known in some circles as Grandpa Piss. And it is absolutely that is a reference. <laughs> That is a reference to a Polygon video this very long time ago, um, which is um, the Monster Factory video oh, of, of Oblivion. And, I, um, yeah. I also want to have a shout out to David Leonard Flanagan and Retro Futurologist, who have both pointed out that you can't mod this game either, mm. uh, no, so you can't have is... Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, like, I mean, you could try. You could print out a picture. You could and... technically print it out and, and do it yourself. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> stop! Stop referencing that video in the chat. I'm not going to be able to. I'm not going to be able to talk. Um, right. Yeah. All in all, um, uh, it's not. The thing is, I feel like this game is not for me. Like, which is fine. But also, I have legitimate criticisms of it. Uh, you know, besides the artwork or whatever. Um, yeah, it just feels like um, it just feels like it doesn't want to be a board game. <laughs> yeah, we've we've we've, we've talked you. about it a lot. Uh, we yeah. clearly have a lot of opinions on it, but yeah, I mean, although Matt, like, we played a game that uh, was also another video game adaption. Mm. We got mm. to, to play the Cuphead board game. Yeah, and I I thought that was quite a faithful adaption. Yeah, to be honest, give us a contrast. Give, yeah. give us a yeah. A I spoke. I can't remember. Were you on last week, Wills? I spoke about it a little bit on last week's podcast as well. Um, but yeah, to, to be uh, upfront, I we were recording a sponsor video <laughs> for the op uh, who made the Cuphead fast rolling dice game, which is not a great name. Um, no. It, it's too many words. Uh, Cuphead board, uh, much like the Skyrim thing, just call it what it is Cuphead board game, Skyrim board game. Mm -hmm. Look, people know what that is. Um, but yeah, it was uh, your first time playing Wheels, and I played yes. a little bit uh, this side as well. So yeah, what did, what did you think joining me? For the uh, the let's play. Well, I will say my absolute favorite bit was the fact that it does this. Oh no! Wait. Oh, he's <laughs> no. ruined it. Wait, wait. My absolute favorite Such thing was the, was the fact that it does this, and then plays the music because you get a little yeah. timer, which you don't have. Yeah, to on use, the uh, the official great. companion app. Yeah, the official yeah. companion app. Which is just, it's literally just a timer, but it also plays some Cuphead music and it does the mm. a real high class bout at the start. Yeah, which is yeah, great. yeah, yeah. The um, music for that game is great. So. Yeah, because, mm. yeah, the, the soundtrack of as I found out when I was uh, editing the video and was, uh, or as I remembered rather, I was finding tracks to use for it. I was like, oh God, this music slaps so hard. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was like. I don't think it was a revolutionary game. Like it was, you know, it, it was basically kind of like escape. Um, the Curse of the Temple, which is one of my favorite real-time games. Oh. You are rolling dice, which has symbols on them, uh, and you have to assign those symbols to matching things. In this case, it's to dodge enemy attacks. Um, but the fun thing that it did uh, was you don't automatically hit the boss. The way in which you attack the boss is in between doing the dodge symbols, you have to say, all right, I'm going to set a die here, which means that I'm going to have less dice to roll for the subsequent attacks that I need to... Uh, dodge um, and in exchange I'll get to do some damage and you can only do that damage when you've initially done the block of the attack so like say you're looking for like two feet running symbol to sort of like dodge to the side or there's like cuphead ducking with his like T coming out of his head um, 
but then you have the you know the finger gun that you shoot with in the game which is the little symbol that you use to attack with and then you mm. also have like a special die which is your x die which is basically like it does more damage if you use that for your attack so it was kind of like you know i'm making these kind of like quick decisions as fast as i can because then you only have a set amount of time to roll it's those really dice not a lot of time it's not a it's lot of really time not, even on the easiest difficulty 20 seconds yeah. is it goes very quick i remember because me and matt did the first that was literally the first time i played was on on camera so we did the first um you know array of cards like the first in the first phase of the boss um and it was literally like i was rolling dice and i was like okay yeah music's going and then literally it just ended and i was like i what just happened i haven't done anything and that was like, I, that's the easiest difficulty is 20 seconds it goes down to like 10 or yeah. 15 like, or 5 or something like that the thing is you describing it i feel like that is a, like a really impressive adaptation of what it feels like yeah. to play Cuphead yeah. the video yeah, it's, game. it's hard as nails and it is but not in a way where it's just like oh all the bosses have four million health and yeah. therefore you've got to play cards forever and ever and ever to get them mm. down it is that just like frantic like oh my god he's just hit me with eight attacks yeah. and I don't know what to do and blah, blah, blah. it's kind um, of like the yeah. opposite of the Skyrim game right and that it is like the spirit rather than the because exactly. you're not yeah. you're not platforming you're not moving around it is yeah. just like the spirit of needing to you know in the same way that when you're playing it's like split second decisions but exactly, here it's yeah. dice and whether you use those dice and if you use that window to shoot but then you might not be able to do like and it kind of gets that which yeah it's it's surprisingly yeah it's surprisingly hectic yeah it is yeah what i really like about it is the dice have six different symbols on them so they're all as hard to roll mm. as each other so there's no like there's no like oh okay it's just a foot i can do one of those um yeah sorry then... i had some I had some technical difficulties just then. My 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 headphones just decided to turn off. Oh, that's good. Uh, and so there's a little bit of audio came out of my speakers, which is great. Oh, I didn't hear anything. Uh, yeah, I didn't hear anything. Okay, good. Oh, good. Uh, so now we've brought it up for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's going well here on the Dice Breaker Sandwich podcast. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like, uh, yeah, I just it was it was genuinely like a, a pretty good representation of of the feeling you have playing mm. Cuphead. And it like listening to the soundtrack and editing the video, it made me want to play it again, which I think um, is a is a good sign for a game that's supposed to be riffing off. Uh, mm, like game. you, you describing it is the way that you're like, oh, you've you've got to choose whether you want to use this attack die or whether you want to keep it for like dodging. Is the kind of representative of like when you're playing the video game? It's that risk. Yeah, like it's reward aggress- strategy of versus defense. Yeah, right? it's yeah. Like, do you want to try and get a shot in now, or yeah. and risk it here, or do you want to like? Because you can keep dodging, back. but eventually that will stop working. Yeah. You don't yeah. do any damage. <laughs> Once you've so, like, missed the window as well, to, yeah, you have to you take a risk. Right. Um, yeah, because basically cards are either or the ones that we saw. Because there's extra mechanics to get added. Because there are like every, every single boss in the game is has its own deck of cards. Like it's. It's quite a big box, which we, I think we were both mm. surprised by, Matt. Um, but basically, each deck is like a sort of... It's divided into phases. So you have like phase one, you pull out the boss, you do some um, some fighting, and then when you, once you get through that phase, you then get the next deck of cards, which is... We were doing the uh, the root gang. Root pack. Root, yeah, the root vegetable. Pack, which yeah, are the root, root vegetables, yeah. So first we face the, you know, the carrot and then the onion and all that kind of stuff. And they all had different... Um, symbols and all their cards and they're like there's like a mechanical wallop basically which is like an optional card which if you roll a diamond you can get uh, a special card that much like in Escape the Curse of the Temple I wonder if it was one of the um, uh, influences on the game 
you get one of those like symbols that you can put to the side and use it when you need it or you get like you know you might have some health or something like that it also had a parry system so there are like cards that will come up and if you get the parry symbol on them you build up parry meter which means that if your com- if your compatriots die you can spend a parry symbol to get them back <laughs> just like in the game like it is mm. yeah it's like it's well put together i think and it's it's um it's authentic without ruining itself which mm. I think a big, big problem with a lot of board game adaptions of video games is that they they spend so much of their effort trying to do like a one to one comparison between the yeah. two that they forget to like make something good. <laughs> so, oh, you know, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. exactly. Like, I feel, I feel like it's very poignant that we've had these two discussions back to back. Yeah, because it's good like, timing, really. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the way you don't do it, in my opinion. This is the way you do do it. It's mm. like. Yeah, like you can bring all those, all that classic iconography over. You can bring over the, the screenshots. You can bring over the quests and whatever. But if you don't provide an experience, it's like, oh, this is this reminds me of the video game, but this is engaging. That like, you know, you've in my mind, you've just not done a good job. So mm. the the this Cuphead game sounds good. Uh, yeah. Brooke Boyd says, are uh, is it all the same bosses from the video yeah, game, I, or are there I'm, new bosses? I'm not sure, Matt. So there are eight. There are eight packs because they are in separate boxes, um, and I know that they go through from the root pack through to King Dice and the Devil. I honestly can't remember how many bosses there are in Cuphead, the video game. Yeah. Uh, so I if there are eight, it's probably likely that they come. There are more. I, I don't think there eight, are any I new think. invention. Like I don't yeah, think there are any. I, original I think they bosses they've been slightly mixed around a little bit. Like I don't yeah. think the root pack is the same the in the game as it is in the card games. Like. Like the way in which it's okay, structured, yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'd be interested to know which which uh, bosses they chose. And, it, than... and sorry, and again, that's that's not eight bosses. That's eight decks. Eight so because yeah. obviously the root pack is three different bosses in one in one deck and stuff like that. Um, yeah, but yeah. There you go. Cool. All right. What else have we got? Uh, yeah, Wills. What else have you played? Uh, uh, we, or, I, or I've, in fact, have every single else? game I've played has been with one of you two. Uh, this All week. Right. Uh, we played Necromolds together, Matt, which I think we should definitely we did, talk about. Yeah. Uh, I wrote because a I think it's brilliant. Um, yeah, we have a. <laughs> what <up? laughs> Sorry, Automod just held like a single emoji of a person, which apparently is a really offensive message. Sorry, Rajesh. Um, but yes, uh, there is a. Um, there is a game called Necromolds that we played. Matt has an article on the website about it. We've. Oh, hello, Holly. We've probably That's, got a I video. Told you. Well. Keeps doing laps. I keep having to pick her up and put her back. It's very <laughs> annoying. Um, but then the the, uh, the the great thing about Necromods, which is the reason we're talking about it, is it is a miniatures game, like a really, really simple miniatures game. It is just sort of like, you know, move and hit, and if you get more attack symbols than they got defensibles, then you kill them. Uh, like, there's not even health points. Yeah. The, the fun thing about it is, instead of having pre-made plastic miniatures that you build and glue together and whatever, instead of using like anything solid, you have a vat of play-doh which you grab chunks of, uh, roll please, into balls. Please, it's non-distinct, unbranded clay. <laughs> Plasticine. Uh, Play-doh is a registered trademark. Yeah, plasticine, <laughs> um, which you shove into these like spell books. Which, when mm. clamped closed, they're molds that make uh, plasticine miniatures. Yeah, including the bases, which, to be yeah. honest, is really impressive. They stand up, but you can kind of stick them to the board a bit, but they are stable enough to just stand up. Yeah. Like they're, 
they're really well thought out. And, and the funny thing is, they just sort of droop a little bit when you move mm, them around. It's, it, like, the clay's really, really soft. Charming. I expected it to be a bit like a bit more, more solid, um, yeah. yeah, rigid. But no, it's really really charming. And like the so basically, like when when two people go up against each other, especially in in the base box that we played, you can kind of play with any. Um, monsters that there are available to you so you can just grab any combination of books it's the resource you have is how much play-doh so the more powerful a monster is the more play-doh it takes to mm. to put in there right um but it is just like that it's it's definitely a game that understands that its main draw is the is the novelty factor and just like the the charming nature of playing with it because even down to the fact that when you when you like kill an enemy unit you don't just take it off the board and chuck it away you get this little ring that you put on your finger and you squish it into the board and it makes like your seal so like i had like a spider seal that when i when i squished yeah. Matt's, uh, unit i think seal. that's my favorite part because then you just leave it as like this little mound yeah, and then it becomes an obstacle your yeah. yeah you yeah, can't move great. through it but it's like a little, it's like, um, yeah, like when you take someone out in a video game and it like pops like a little grave marker or whatever. Yeah. It's like that, but a physical thing. And it's just very satisfying because you're not like open palming, like crushing these things. It's like a slow kind of, because the rings aren't huge. <laughs> so you just squeeze it. It's kind of like, yeah, then it it's pushes out on the brutal yeah. to do to someone where it's like, I beat you. Now it's time to slowly watch me just squish your model into oblivion. Mm. Um, but so, it's quite, like it's also got very satisfying. Like it's the I, this is what I wrote about in that uh, piece, which you can read on dicebreak.com. Um, but it's the kind of thing that you just couldn't do in any other like medium other than a board game with some plasticine because it is so like built on the satisfaction of squishing this clay away and like the like tactile nature of you know yeah just like squeeze them out of the molds or squeeze them down with a little ring. Mm, lots of squeezing going on here. Yeah, a lot of squeezing, a lot of squishing. Squeezing, a lot of squishing. Squishing, squishing. As soon as Will showed me the box, I was like, have I been transported back to the early... It's it was, a, yeah, it was like definitely really that Dave Benson yeah. Phillips era of television where, like... <laughs> Like goop guns and all that, like yeah, it's yeah. gungy. And all even the yes. board, it's like it looks very much like a Where's Wally or Where's Waldo kind yeah, of picture. But then there are like little things to spot on it. It's got the color scheme is very like eighties, like yeah, it's like kind of neon green and purple. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's very very good. And it's yeah. like it's not it's not exactly going to be the most like revolutionary miniatures game you've ever played, but. I think it's like it's really charming and it 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 like deserves your attention. I think, mm. and, and plus it's just I love the fact that um, like if we, we were literally in the office, I think Oxbox had like a, a box of play doh, and I saw it in the cupboard. And I was like, Matt, if we wanted to play with more people, we could just literally <laughs> just grab one of these colors. It's like your hundred point army. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, it's that that's my favorite thing about it: the accessibility of it, because it's like if I wanted to play this with someone, I can just take a little board game box around. And I don't need to buy a brand new set, build mm. it, paint it, and start playing. Like I can have a completely different army from the first time to the next time, and all I have is that little tub of of plasticine. Like it's yeah. it's genuinely yeah. like, it, despite it being like a really goofy gimmicky mechanic, it also makes it really really accessible. Yeah, um, like it it kind of knows exactly what it's going for. Like it's not trying to be super clever with this. It's not trying to be overly complex. Like like you say, it knows that the appeal is like making stuff out of clay and then squishing stuff but it does just enough 
Yeah. Uh, there's a few people in chat actually asking if it's a mess to keep the board clean, so on. But no, the clay but just comes get, off, like yeah, nothing we, mixes together. Like we didn't get anything on the board that stuck. However, uh, I I made a perfect <laughs> little miniature. Took it out, took my guy out, took all the like bits on the side and ripped them off and put them back in my vat. I was like, oh Matt, can I use that one? He took he passed it to me. It just scraps of his purple flano all over it. I was like, what? It have was you done? in the hinges. It was yeah. <laughs> I was quite uh, generous with my such my clay. a mess. Uh, yeah, it feels no, I... like the the kind of perfect miniatures game to start with, like kids or something. Yeah, yeah, hundred like... percent. Yeah, like it's it's just yeah, it's just really really like easy to start, and and the rules take like minutes to explain. You like mm. each player just gets a little ruler, and the distances are close, medium, and long, and that's yeah. like, and they're just different edges of a triangle. Um, so you don't have to like have a you know a measuring tape and it's like oh that's that's seven inches rather than six and all that kind of stuff like it's it's literally just sort of yeah we move them around even when it comes to deployment it's just like you have to shove everything on the edge and that's it like it's it's very much like distilled they've even got and i think they know that this would be popular with like maybe like wargaming parents who want to play with their kids Mm. um because they've got three different levels of complexities in the rules so you can play like super baby mode which is like there are four mechanics and that's it but then there's like standard and then they've got an advanced version that uses a kind of like rock, paper, scissors kind of mechanic for uh, like support and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And there were like fan variants as well in the yes. rule book, right? And it, I think that's the other thing is it feels like it has the makings of a kind of cult classic. Yeah. In that it's got a great idea. It doesn't like overburden it with too much. And it kind of just like hands it out into the world to be like, here's this fun thing. Do what you want with it. Yeah. And like clearly some people have already done that because there are rules for like if you've got leftover clay, you can create magic barriers and things like that and different yeah. ways of yeah, just like tweaking the rules to make it more advanced. Like if you want to use a morale system, you can because that's a variant that someone's come up with. There's a or really you can sweet just keep thing. it super simple and just squish a load of clay. Yeah, there's a really sweet thing where literally in the rule book at the back, there's an empty page that just says homebrew rules. And it's just loads of lines for you to write yeah. on, which I, I think is like, like an old video game manual. Exactly, like yeah. cheap codes. Yeah, it's it's got like it's definitely like a mission statement of like you know this is as much your game as it is ours. Like, uh, feel free to use this as a jumping off pad. Mm. Uh, and it's yeah, it's just like it's yeah, it's just lovely. I think it's really wholesome. Like <laughs> it gave me like yeah. a really good vibe. Um, and I was expecting it to just be silly fun, but I think that the way that the play is used is actually quite uh quite cool like I, I think there's maybe something in it do you know what i mean like i think it transcends just being a dumb gimmick um mm. but there there we go yeah cool that's fun anything uh, else anything else uh i well we also played crokinole we played crokinole we in the office yeah oh it's been so long since i played crokinole i absolutely um, trounced matt <laughs> yes <laughs> Oh, I, I can see by that how gleeful you are. You know what? I had a couple of great shots. I started very strong and then just nosedived and wheels yeah. won. I would say, like, I can't remember how many matches we played. Uh, we were playing in, like, matches of best of three. Yeah. Um, but you probably won, I don't know, 10 of the 12. <laughs> and so each of those was, like, two, three matches. And yeah, so, yeah you were we just, just wanted to keep carrying wrecking. on, didn't we, Matt? Because Crocodile is a fantastic game. Continues to be the greatest game ever made. Yes, yeah, it is. Just incredible. Wow. Just a, a fantastic game. Uh, for those who haven't experienced it before, we've got uh, a Let's Play on the channel back from the beginning of the pandemic, which is also Wills and I. 
uh, having a bit of a showdown. I think I played a lot better there. So go and watch that instead of listening to this. I, th- I think, yeah, I think it was a very competitive match, actually. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, I won't spoil who won. But I will also say, I think once uh, Liv is back in the office, let's drag her over. Because I don't mm. know if Liv has played Crocodile yet. And I think to to get that on camera live would be would be very very fun yeah it's it's a hell of a game yeah i was uh, racking up the knolls as retro futurologist says yes yeah it's uh yeah it's and it's instantly one of those games that like as soon as you get back into it i could just feel that like the spirit of me coming up and being like i'm not generally like a big like smack talker during games but it's one of those particularly against wheels because you know <laughs> like he brings I out am, in you. Yeah. I am the heel of dice break. <laughs> <laughs> we bring out we bring out both the best and the worst in each other uh, when it comes to crocodile. So yeah, like you were teasing me and I was teasing you back, and that only made it funnier because you were just like I would talk a big game before taking a shot, and then just like smack into a post and it would come flying off the other side. <laughs> At one point, I mentioned I hit you with a puck because it jumped out of the yeah. thing over the hole. Ah, Jarvis! I didn't mean to. I wasn't aiming. I wasn't throat. aiming with deadly aim with a crocodile puck. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's still fantastic. Just a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, hence why it has lasted hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Uh, all right. Anything else before we move on? This. We've yeah. we've done we've ended up because of Skyrim we've ended up talking a lot haven't we? Um, so we spoke yeah. about board games for once. I know. Yeah. Yeah. We veer off into other things, um, but we can save that for another day. Let's move over to the news section. Um, for what it's worth, I will mention here just in case anyone missed it in the chat. Uh, our podcast email appears to still not be working. I am trying to get it fixed. Um, so we're actually quite low on questions this week. And apologies if you have sent in some via email um, because normally get a few during the week and yeah our email's not working so if you have any questions or you sent in any please drop them in the chat and we will pick them up uh for the end of the show please tweet Uh, at us or tweet at us at join dicebreaker yes Mm. um uh all right let's move over to the new section uh Mm. i've just picked a couple of fun little stories from this week first of all there's a trivial pursuit game show coming and it's hosted by Lee Alberton. can uh, i just say (laughs) There is already quite a few Trivial Pursuit game shows because they're just <laughs> trivia quizzes. <laughs> but this one will probably have those wedges, and that's what makes yeah. it Trivial Pursuit. Yeah, fantastic. The cheese. God, that, so, that's going to be a game show that lasts about four hours then, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this uh, this obviously comes via Hasbro, which is turning, it seems like, every game it owns into a game show of some kind or a TV show because there's a Risk TV show coming. There's obviously a what? D&D one. There's a Magic Netflix series that's been in the works for ages. Um, I swear there was something else as well. Ticket to Ride, right? Out, yeah, outside of Hasbro, there's Ticket to Ride. Oh yeah, um, bro. Yeah, it just seems Blue, like we're Pluto. in the age of the board game TV show. Um, yeah, was there a Cluedo one? There's a Cluedo uh, if, something. Yeah, almost certainly. Um, so yeah, so this is exactly what it sounds like. Um, it is a. I don't think there's loads of details on like the format it will take, but they've announced that it's coming. It's hosted by Levi Burton. Uh, and it is very much based on the uh, based on the board game. Apparently, no network has picked this up yet. It's just in development. Oh, uh, so it doesn't one. exist, really. They're just no. Like, it's hey. it's in development. Um, like I say, uh, Entertainment One, which I think is owned by Hasbro, is kind of their own yeah, TV and film division, thing. which I think is working on a lot of this stuff. I, Didn't Levar uh, Burton just come from 
Jeopardy, right? Am I yeah. wrong? So I, he's like, I'm hopping this ship and I'm going on the Trivial Pursuit one. I only know who LeVar Burton is because of community. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was aware sort of him from, from memes and references because we didn't really... Reading Rainbow wasn't really something mm. that we had. Yeah, Jack and Ori, like... Yeah, we had Jack and Ori. What's yeah. the story in Jack and Ori? Yeah, we... you want to know. No, um... oh God, no, not Jack and Ori. What's it called then? What, like a reading show? Yeah, the reading show. Oh, oh come on, you must know what I mean. There's the bedtime stories thing on CBBS where like they get Tom Hardy to yeah, read a bedtime story. It's got, it's got story. a name that I thought was was Jack and Ori, but that's the island with uh, um... with Archie and his pink light. No, you're thinking of Balamori. 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 Balamori is what Mian was representing. Sorry, Jack and Ori the is the Balamori. story. Yeah, yeah, is the story thing. So I was right. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we got there in the end. Um, so yeah, as Chase points out in this news article on Dicebreak.com, it's not the first time Trivial Pursuit uh, has been made into a TV show. There was one in the early 90s. And then apparently one from 2008 to 2009 called Trivial Pursuit colon America Plays. Um, <laughs> there was also a BBC one uh, in 1990, uh, which Plays. presumably was very short-lived because it only says 1990 here. Yeah. Um, that so, sounds yeah. like they were trying to SEO before they knew what it was by having it be yeah. Trivial Pursuit colon America Plays <laughs> rather than America Plays Trivial Pursuit. It's, I mean, this isn't surprising if anyone has watched TV in the last, let's say, 25 years because there's, there's game shows based on like the penny-pushing machines that you get at arcades. It's, there's just I think anything I, they'll turn into a game show. I think the idea is that they're so cheap yeah make compared to like you know a television mm. you build show. one set like that's yeah it. you build yeah. one set and then like you just pay the the production team and you get someone from eastenders it. to host it and <laughs> yeah i mean levar burton is probably a big is a big grab for them in terms mm. of like a host because he's He's so well known for that sort of thing. So I guess they've got that bit nailed down. Yeah, he's pursuit. not Bradley Walsh. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you leave Bradley Walsh alone. Yeah, you know, you're right. He's not quite on Bradley Walsh's level. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, he's trying, bless him, Lamar Burn. Um, yeah, no. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Maybe we'll go on it and win. Well, maybe. Uh, this is what I was going to ask. So I can't remember exactly what the Trivial Pursuit categories are. But what, yeah. if it's like a Mastermind-style deal and you have to there do a special is, category? Uh Science and nature. Mm. Let me look it up. Entertainment oh, well. and literature, I think. Hang on. Yes. Uh, art and something. No, maybe um, it's art and literature and entertainment. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Or whatever, which is the pink one. Sport. Sport. Green. Sport. Uh, geography. <laughs> I always dreaded the green sport wedge. Geography and history. I think those mm. are the six. That sounds yeah, about right. So I used to play a lot of geography... suit in my family at Christmas. Never ended well. <laughs> Geography is blue. Entertainment is pink. History is yellow. Arts and literature yeah. is purple. Science yeah. and nature is green. Mm-hmm. Sports and leisure is orange. Oh, orange. Sports, sports and leisure sports is orange. And yes. leisure. Yes, it is. Uh, and oh, wait. Are you asking which ones we would specialize in? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> My I tell you what, it wouldn't be sports. For me. Wrestling, all right? Wills? Wrestling? Wrestling, yeah. Sports entertainment, so it straddles the line. No, the problem is, like, I'm, I'm too new to wrestling to know that much about it. Because somebody would be like, 
you know, what was the name of mm. Brett the Hitman Hart's finisher in 1944 so or whatever. I feel like this was always the thing with Trivial Pursuit as well. It's like, no one ever played modern Trivial Pursuit. It was always a copy that had been set around <laughs> like 20 years. Yeah. So it was like, who's the Prime Minister? And yeah. it would be like, I don't know. Trick question! Churchill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this thing, here's, here is the, here's the big reveal, right? Uh, I, I know it's going to be shocking to some of you. Uh, I'm really, really bad at trivia games um, because I know a lot about very specific subjects. Mm. So if you if you had a trivia game on the 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 novelists of you know the 19th century, then maybe I would slam it on that. I mean, that's but a lot like, of the literature category. To I will be say that trivia suit do these little wedge things, which are just like question cards that you can play with the standard board but they're like mm. hyper specific because yeah, I was I in a loading bar recently that. and they had a Lord of the Rings one mm. and oh. it was like what, there's my one what were the four names that Treebeard refers to the hobbits as or something like that and I was like oh god I don't know <laughs> he calls them little orcs little orcs, little orcs mm. yeah um yeah uh, so if there's yeah if there's like a category for <laughs> I don't know horror video games of like the the early eighties or something. I don't know. Then then maybe I would. <laughs> I just know a lot about very specific subjects mm. when it comes to like sports. I know nothing about. Yeah. And uh, science and nature, I know a few things, but not not really enough. Geography, I'm awful at. Uh, history, maybe a bit better at. So I suppose I don't know. I think arts we should do literature. A tri- I think we should do a trivial pursuit live stream. Yeah, that would be fun. I'll be down for that. Look yeah, how I think ignorant we, we are. I think we've got a copy of the horror trivial pursuit. Somewhere I don't want to do it. No, I want to do general knowledge trivial pursuit. Normal knowledge trivial, trivial pursuit. We've all I got think... as bad a chance as the, as the rest of us. I think there is an online version as well, so we could maybe let's yeah. do it for a stream. You know, we've yeah. now said it, so it needs to happen. Maybe Matt, just maybe come down on Thursday and we'll do it. Christmas. Yeah, Christmas yeah. definitely. For right. Christmas, we'll do Christmas trivial pursuit. I'll promise to you, podcast listeners. Christmas trivial pursuit. Watch out for it. We're gonna get drunk and we're gonna play Christmas trivial pursuit. It's probably gonna end up with me being like. Don't you dare talk to me like all right, Matt <laughs> David Leonard Flanagan suggests that we play against the chat, which sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. Um Matthew Jarvis, which which section would you pick? I mean arts and literature is what I know best. Okay, um, well we can't pick the same, so I've already taken that one. So Sorry. my my brothers used to like oh, so we used to when we used to play Trial Pursuit at Christmas, it was olds versus youngs. So it was me and my oh, brothers versus like my parents and my aunt and uncle. Um, and whenever it came to the green wedge, the science and nature one, they used to call it as good as a roll again because they literally every single time would get it right. And I was just sat there like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, no, was, no, our strategy was always we would pair like one younger person up with one older person. Mm. So then that meant like the older person could get majority of the questions and the young people could get the ones that were just about modern enough yeah. no, that the, the parents wouldn't the know. The funniest thing about splitting old and young was the fact that whenever any kind of internet question came up, just the sheer panic on my parents' <laughs> yeah. faces. Who who is gritty? Yeah, they had to explain what a troll was and then had no idea. There was there was one where um I think it was like the first GIF that was ever hosted on the internet. Anyone know what it was? It was a, a baby doing something. I don't uh, know, was it just a baby laughing? No, it was a baby dancing. 
Oh, uh, don't. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, which... Uh, was it not a baby shark? You... Things have really gone downhill from there. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> everyone, everyone's seen the... Uh, everyone's seen the Spider-Man dancing gif, right? That was on the which internet one? everywhere from like 2000 onwards. Oh, is that the one where he's like doing he's the like... weird... You know, no. all that kind of stuff. Okay. I don't know. No? Okay, never mind. Dancing gifts. A bit of, bit of um, internet history. Wills, which category do you specialise in? Entertainment, maybe? <sighs> Unfortunately, I think it would be entertainment, yeah. I think that's the only one where I had, might have some chance of knowing what the hell's going on. So we're doing really well. Let's hope, let's hope Liv is a... Is <laughs> He's a, great at everything is else. A, great at science, <laughs> nature and sport. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, can, um, I think I could get some science ones and some history ones, but I'm terrible at sport. I'm not very good at geography. Um, oh, Umbra! Yeah. It it one hundred percent predates the Spider Man movies. Like it, yeah, it it was a very old like gift. Italian Spider Man or something. <laughs> like no, Spider-Man. no, it's fa- no, hear me out. <laughs> yeah. Wait, isn't there like a a really like low budget film that was like a Spider Man film? Oh, I swear it's like it, yes. it's like an Italian language. Yeah, one. no, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And it was yeah. just, it was just nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I don't speak Italian, so I don't really know what's going on. Mm. But uh, no, I, I mean, I mean the the stuff they did in French oh, rather yeah. than the the language. Um, anyway, what other news is going on? I'm in the chopper, Matt Travis. Speak other me the news. news. Well, let me tell you. Oh, this is a big one. You'll know this one very well because you wrote this story <laughs> about the 30th anniversary edition of Atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, which, for folks in the US, you probably know it as Nightmare. Mm. But I will say Atmosphere is a much better name. And funnier. I, I think yeah. that this is, again, something we should stream as a team. <laughs> um, so, uh, at, by the way, Atmosphere is spelled with the fear bit is the spooky fear. So that's why it's great. But, um, yeah, so... <laughs> Just thought that needed clarification. Um, yeah, so I'm the chopper is swerving away from Lavar Burton's house, and now we're going into the spooky land of the gatekeeper. television. The I will say the social media campaign that they're going for the for this this Kickstarter is fantastic because essentially the, whoever's running the the social media page for for the game is like just pretending to be the gatekeeper so, he's, <laughs> so he commented on our story and was like oh this is great you maggots and i was like oh i mean calling people maggots is very on brand for twitter anyway what? so that's amazing look on, look on the article um it was great it made me it made me smile a lot uh so for those of you who may not know about atmosphere which is uh, quite a lot of people i imagine it was a vhs board game released in 1991 uh i know and i think it's like credited as the first vhs board game or something like that so what you do is you whack that vhs on uh and the same time you're playing the board game and it's exactly an hour long and then in the the board game itself is very simple you just go around the board and collect keys and then sometimes bad things happen but uh there's a guy on the screen (laughs) just a little guy yeah, he's great. He's obviously like a community actor or something. But <laughs> he puts his heart and soul into this role, right? Yeah, he's giving it his all. He's giving his all. He's the gatekeeper. and uh, he... ima- Imagine, if you will, Michael Caine <laughs> in a Muppet Christmas Carol. 
that similar level of you didn't have to go this hard, but you really yeah, did. Yeah, but you did. Uh, and he sort of berate, he occasionally pops up to berate the players, calling them maggots, and uh, also threatening to put them in the in the black hole, uh, um, uh, which is basically you miss a turn. But it, it kind of gained cult following. There were several sequels afterwards, which had various other creepy characters in it. And um, then they released one in 2019, which is like a CGI gatekeeper. It's horrible. Don't look at the images of that because the pic- the pictures, it's really awful. It's just, uh, you can't CGI the gatekeeper. It's, sa- it's sacred. It's sacrilege. So um, what's quite funny is I literally just watched the YouTube video over lunch uh, when I should have been eating my sandwich, but it didn't arrive. Um about do you remember gruesome tales for horrible kids? oh my mm. god yes yeah. gruesome tale for grizzly kids for grizzly kids sorry yeah i was literally just watching a video about that and they also tried to do a cgi reboot of the of the oh, the no. dude that was stopped everything has like cgi like they did a cgi thunderbirds and they, they never learn that seriously for people who don't know about is it is it Grizzly Tales for Gruesome Kids or it's I something it's like that? that? Yeah. It, it was an ITV show, and I too. So, to our American, what you know, viewers and listeners, uh, ITV is like you got BBC and you get ITV. Yeah. There were channel five three. channels. It was ITV always channel was number three. three. <laughs> yeah, um, it was always easier to tell. There was channel four and five, so that that eliminated those two, and then you had BBC one and two. ITV yeah. in the middle. Um. And there used to be like a children's sort of afternoon show, uh, and they used to play various like, you know, cartoons or skits or whatever that, for kids. And one of them was this show, mm. Grizzly Tales for Gruesome Kids. And it started off like the opening intro is so cemented in my mind, where this kid—it's all stop motion. This kid goes into like a creepy cinema, and he's like, "Oh, I don't like this," and there are bugs everywhere. And then there, and then. There's this guy who lived in the cinema. Yeah, it's genuinely <laughs> unsettling. It's like, yeah, no, genuinely yeah. creepy. Yeah, uh, and there was like <laughs> some pretty dark imagery in a lot of the episodes. It was essentially, I think, the closest American equivalent is like uh, the Crypt Keeper. I think is like the closest thing I can think of. But uh, this guy was like bald and weird, and he'd be like, "Oh, kids, uh, uh, you've been very naughty," but. Yeah, Gatekeeper is sort of in that sort same sphere of corny hmm. campiness, but like spookiness. I've, and uh, so, I've got the comment on Twitter now here, if yeah. you'd like to have it read out loud. I would like to very much, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the Gatekeeper says, I am humbled by your support and I thank you. If we can make this remake work, I'm sure there will be more goodies for you kiddies. But we got to get the goal first. Hustle, maggots! Hustle! I love that. The energy is legendary. Really doing it for me. <laughs> Absolutely um, legendary. So the this is like a 30th anniversary edition of, of the original game. So obviously not a VHS. Um, you can find the video online now quite easily. I think they've got it on their website. Uh, and uh, but so you get like the board with all the pieces. And I will say the Kickstarter was a little bit confusing. <laughs> So don't take my word 100% on this. But um, I think it's like compatible with all of the Nightmare 
or atmosphere like characters so you've got like the gatekeeper you've got the zombie one which is incredible if you've ever seen that uh it's so cringe it's beautiful uh and there's also like a witch character but um yeah no um I think there's like a luxury version as well where you get like specific get VHS players so you can actually play it. Yeah, Uh, and so yeah, essentially it's just like a re-release of the original like game that's not this horrible CGI one, Um, and it's it's. It's a thing of its time. What's going on? As we're talking about this, I can just hear faintly in the background, Zoe started putting on this, like, Nintendo Halloween music compilation (laughs) that she plays when she's working. So I can just hear, like, do-do-do-do-do in the background. Very appropriate for what we're talking about. It's exactly what you need in the background for this. I, I will say, weirdly enough, and we have talked about this on the podcast before, um... I've been aware of Atmosphere for a while because a YouTube channel I like played it once and I was like, what the hell is this? I'm just very drawn to like weird stuff. Schlock. Yeah, (laughs) that's that's like, you know, I I wasn't there for it, but Mm. I kind of wish I was. Um, And uh, one day, just outside of my flat on the street. Oh, yeah. My flatmate was like, Alex, you've got to see this. I forgot about this. And then I went outside and there was a copy of Atmosphere. It's like Squid Game. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. It's like, it's, it's a, it was creepy. It's like, there's a copy of, what is this? I was like, that is, I just stood there in my garden. And I was like, that is Atmosphere. And then I took it. And there's a note on the front that says, no DVD. It's on YouTube. <laughs> Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, uh, Brit Boyd said, oh, she said it was cursed. I think it might be cursed. Oh, no, it's 100% cursed. It'll drag yeah. you into the board game as soon as you start playing. It, yeah, I'll, I'll be dragged into the, you know, but, the black hole. You know, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, that there you go. So you can go on a Kickstarter right now and, and pledge if you want there you go. a copy of this. Um, atmosphere. It's back. Atmosphere. Although, yeah. The Gatekeeper. It's kind of odd to think of a game that once had, like, the selling point was the VHS tape that came in the box, and now it's just like, it'll probably be on YouTube, right? Or it'll be on a data stick or something. Because, what are they going to do? Put a disc in the thing that no one can play because no one uses discs anymore. Give it a Blu-ray and put it in your PS5. (laughs) (laughs) It's the nostalgia of it, isn't it? Really, now. Like, it's it's not something that I think anyone would play. If they've not really heard of it before. What it should be is it comes with its own VHS player and CRT mm. monitor. Oh yeah, for yeah. long. Yeah. Wow. Expensive much. That's what it should be. Um, I mean, look, the amount that people fork out on crappy plastic miniatures, I, mean, <laughs> I think we could get away with it. <laughs> I think like the modern equivalent uh of this is like like a board game app assisted board mm. game essentially. That's that's what this has become now. It's like um, you know, and and funnily enough, Crappy that two thousand will be an app, won't it? It's probably the, easier. That, that two thousand and nineteen version I mentioned, that the video works on the app, uh, and it is randomised, which is like a better experience, I think. Mm. Um, oh, you don't know when the gatekeeper's going to come up or what he's going to say. When is he going to call you maggots? Yeah. I guess they can um, update it as well, yeah. and it's like like with every companion app. Um, makes sense, you know. So, but I would, I think it would be quite fun for a new game to do something similar 
to this. Like, I always like board games that kind of cross that boundary between, like, the the cardboard what you've got there and something else. And mm. I feel like this this is a this is a cool thing that could happen. But um, yeah, no, it's fun. Uh, Will something has happened to the video? Yeah, I was gonna say we just vanished. Wait, what? We we were in the black hole, everyone. <laughs> we've been we've been <laughs> banished to the black hole. Oh. oh. We're back. Oh, I think I alt tabbed. It must be a uh, hold on. If I yeah, it must be like a feature of Google Meet that like if you're not focusing on the window, then it stops the video or something. Oh yeah, yeah that'd be known. Yeah. I take it extremely personally, Will. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, I alt tabbed to look at something. Um, uh, all right. That's- the news. What else is on the news? Uh, yeah, I'll quickly run through some stuff. You should go and read Chase's story, which I believe should be live now, about Games Workshop statement about some stuff that went down at a recent Warhammer Forty Thousand tournament in Spain. Uh, and Games Workshop came out and said, "Hey, maybe don't wear stuff that has loads of Nazi imagery oh, to our tournaments." No. Um, but they were oh, actually pretty. God. The I Games see. Workshop, a company that is infamously non-talkative, mm. to come out with a statement that very clearly says, "Hey." Like, hate groups, no thanks. Like, yeah. don't, you know, don't do that. I remember seeing the tweet um, for this and I only, I read the comments because I don't know why I would. Most of them, to be fair, are just mm. like, you know, it's sad that the season ha- even has to be said, but good on you. Yeah. But one of them was like, and I just, like, you know, when you read something, I'm like, I don't know what your opinion is on anything. It was just, some guy said, I was expecting this to be full of soy. <laughs> But it was grounded or something like that. And I was like, what are you chatting People about? need to get off the internet. Oh, God. Uh, but like, yeah, talk like to it's... a real human. Just For once. Games Workshop <laughs> to come out and say, and they say very explicitly, Warhammer, there are no no good people in Warhammer 40,000. Yeah. It's satirical. These are all bad people. Like, even the Imperium of Man, Space Marines, they are all bad. They are xenophobic. They are, like, just awful, awful things. Like, it's quite... Shocking for Games Workshop to be so well, outspoken yeah, I mean, and like, so just upfront about this be, stuff for once. To be fair, Games Workshop, um, it, it, like they have like a pretty sordid past, as most things do that mm. started in the eighties. But the original Warhammer Forty K was like a satire on Thatcherism. Yeah. Like it was, it wasn't supposed to be like a alt right power fantasy. Like Starship right? Troopers, right? It's yeah, like that's exactly. kind of where Space Marines came from originally. Even though Games Workshop then tried to trademark the term. Uh, yeah, it, it all falls into that. I will say that also Games Workshop coming out with a statement is great. Like, obviously, like, Nazis bad. Like, yes, that is something yeah, we can all agree on. Uh, but the fact that Games Workshop also then just, like, says nothing in relation to the steps it took over the summer um, to take a zero-tolerance zero approach to fan-made content, such as animations and live-action films, it has still said nothing on that, to my knowledge. So there is an element of, like, okay... Yeah, like this is an easy PR win for you to come out and say Nazis bad because obviously yes, Nazis bad, but maybe also serve your community and don't try and stamp out the very people that support you and help. Like make that community good in the first place and ensure that you know people that turn up to tournaments wearing Nazi imagery get called out on it and then get eventually. Bad, uh, dealt I with. should think, yeah. Um, so, yes. What, what else is on the website? What else? Is? Yes. Uh, Alex Meehan, as you've mentioned, you uh, played the Skyrim board game. So there's you chatting about that. There's me chatting about Necromolds. Uh, Jean Luca uh, took a look at the RPGs in the LATAM, uh, that's Latin America breakout Kickstarter campaign. So five designers, five RPGs, uh, kind of in their own words, talking about just 
showing the region for what it is rather than like the very Eurocentric or, mm -hmm. you know, um, often, yeah, uh, inaccurate uh, perception of it. Uh, there's Jason Coles chatting about the new Magic the Gathering set, which is uh, Innistrad Crimson Val, um, and kind of his mixed feelings on that. Um, and yeah, as I say, there's also Chase on that Game Social statement. That's all over on Dicebreaker.com. Let's move on to this week's segment, because i tell you what else was in the news this week. Whoa, uh, Matt Alex Jarvis. and Wills. Uh, the Pokemon Company uh, put out some cards uh, recently. The Pokemon that, Company. Uh, the Pokemon mm, Company. The makers of Pokemon. Them behind Pokemon and game. other such things. Um, so they put out some cards for the 25th anniversary of Pokemon recently. Um, and those cards featured Casey Perry, Post Malone, and Jay Balvin, who I am not familiar with. Jay no. Balvin. Yeah, I, I don't know who Jay Balvin is, but Casey Perry and Post Malone are obviously musical artists. Um, so they put out these custom cards and then they uh, updated their um website to basically say hey we're not actually gonna make pokemon cards with katie perry and post malone on these were just for promotional region uh, reasons okay i mean specifically Fine. they say we have no current plans so they don't oh. they don't say never 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 say never say hey don't get your hopes up if you really want a katie perry pokemon card the cards are i will say they're they're well done they're good fun it's like Katy Perry hanging out with a Pikachu. I don't think like, Katy Perry looks Malone hanging out like with like a Venonat and no, a Dragonite. I agree with Wills. <laughs> Katy Perry on that card looks nothing like Katy Perry. I, if it said Aoife Wilson on it, then I'd be like, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. But I'm not sure it's Katy Perry. Uh, as far as I know, yeah. Aoife Wilson also not appearing on a Pokemon card. <laughs> Much to our chagrin. Post uh, yeah. yeah, Malone's no, easy because he's, yeah. he's covered in tattoos. So you can just be like, yeah, there you go. Uh, and I have no idea who Jay Balvin is, so can't really comment yeah. on Obviously that the, one. the kids like him. I believe yeah. they may have contributed to Pokemon 25, the album. Uh, which, oh. which obviously was an album of music released to celebrate the 25th anniversary of well, the Pokemon. Uh, and featuring Katy Perry and Post Malone rather than, say, the poker rap. Yeah. Benjamin Dina Benjamin said Jay Balvin. Yeah. Oh, no, we're both reading the same thing. Go <laughs> Wills. Uh, Jay Balvin is a Latin artist. He was on a song with Cardi B, apparently. Oh, ah, thank you. There you go. I did not know that. Uh, there you go. So we're yeah, all all musical artists. We're basically. very not we're that we're old. Hip. Yeah, we're very uh, hip. So yeah, so the thing I decided for this segment is, you we should make our own celebrity Pokemon cards. Absolutely. And we should decide. I'm gonna say Let's... so. These cards feature, for instance, there's like I say, there's Jay Balvin hanging out with a Charizard. Yeah. There's Katy Perry hanging out with Pikachu. There's Post Malone with like a Venonat. So I'm gonna say you got to pick a celebrity. You've got to tell me what type they are in terms of Pokemon type, um, like fire, water, grass, etc. Uh, you've got to tell me which Pokemon they would hang out with, and you've got to tell me their special move. Can I just say, uh, by the looks of this, I think the type is actually based on the Pokemon they're with, Matt. Not the yeah, type but I'm ignoring of, that, Will. That's Pokemon not our that the celebrity would be. So just just gonna point that out. Uh, and <laughs> sh should we, right at the start, just get it out of the gate? What would yeah. Danny DeVito be? Because right. I think, Danny, think we all okay. know it's coming. Danny DeVito ready? would be with that trash Pokemon. What's he called? Yeah, no, right, okay. This is exactly what I was thinking. Garbador. Because this Garbador. is exactly, yeah, this is exactly what came to my head. Right, Danny DeVito. Mm -hmm. Gar Gar Garbador. Yeah. yeah. And Trubbish. And Trubbish. Yeah, all the garbage Pokemon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he comes yeah, out of like... the deck and he just starts eating garbage. <laughs> uh, he's poison type, obviously. Yeah. Because mm. of 
the garbage. Mm-hmm. And special move is, I don't know, eat garbage. Eat garbage, yeah. He can consume <laughs> other garbage-type Pokemon to become more yeah. powerful. Yeah, wow, that's not He just eats them, like, and then they're just gone. Like, well, instant elimination. They become a horde of garbage Pokemon, you know. They don't physically eat them. But, you know, he's basically eating garbage. He spawns Trubbish tokens. Uh, I don't think there are tokens in Pokemon, that's a magic thing. Uh, it just reminded me of that ProCD skit about the when you have a really good turn in a trading card game, and it's like, I create five cheese tokens. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, who else? We've we've, we've ticked off Danny DeVito. Yeah, that's, we've you know, got that out of the way. Yeah. To get that one out of the way. Yeah, so. take, take your drinks, etc. I'm going to say that Lil Nas X... Okay, um, yeah, like, no, this is great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lil Nas X, yeah. who we recently uh, DM'd from the <laughs> Dice Frigator account. <laughs> this is an actual thing that happened. Yeah, yeah this is something we did. Well, we're awaiting the results of that one. Um... <laughs> Definitely going to reply. Definitely. <laughs> he would be um, fairy type, I think, uh, because of all the pink imagery in his uh, in his music videos. Mm-hmm. Um, can I have some suggestions on on Pokemon that Lil Nas X would have with him? I'm not a big Pokemon buff, I'll be honest. Uh, surely types. riding a um uh what's the horse Pokemon? Like uh But that's not fairy type. There must be oh, a fairy horse fairy Pokemon. Type. Yeah, it has to be it has to fairy be a fairy type horse if he's a fairy type. Pokemon um, is, yeah, say... Rapidash has a has a fairy type apparently. Hmm. Oh, in in Galar, in the Galar region. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah uh, come on, man. <laughs> Ra- Rapidash is Galarian. Rapidash is a fairy type. Apologies. Oh no, uh, wait. Yeah. Chase Carter says Alolan Rapidash. Oh no, no. Then he's corrected himself to Galar. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or Galarian... Pegasaur. Ooh, what's Pegasaur? I don't know. Pegasaur. It looks like a My Little Pony, to be honest. Okay, well um, that should be right. But it's got that, like then. it's got like cosmic pink and blue wings. Just kind of fun. Pokemon. There's also, oh no! Wait, is this Fakemon? Never mind. This is Fakemon. I think it's a fake. I think it's I'm just a fake googling. Pokemon. I'm just googling people. I'm it's not, I'm the not People Google things as <laughs> a new segment. Just, just, I'm not just have it. been have, have him be riding a Galarian Rapidash. Ooh, yeah. I don't. I don't really mind what his move is as long as it's always a shiny card. I don't think there should ever be a non-shiny version of. Surely of his move is just called "Call Me by Your Name" and. And you have to guess the name of the Pokemon in the other person's hand. And if you get yes. it correct, you get to steal it from them. Perfect. Yeah. <gasps> Nailed it. That's very good. Yeah. I can see that now. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. Uh, Mian, any ideas? Oh. <laughs> uh, if you're still thinking, I got, I've got one. Yeah, you go, man. Right. Is it Carly Rae Jepsen? No, it's Ainsley Harriet. <laughs> and I'll tell you for why. <laughs> Is the move called Give Your Meat a Good Old Rub? <laughs> it could be, but I'm mainly thinking, I don't think there are double-faced cards in Pokemon currently, but surely you've got to have one side be red tomato and the other side be green pepper. Green pepper, yeah. Um, I don't know if Ainsley Harriet has escaped the UK. Ainsley Harriet is a very famous UK chef, uh, best known for Ready, Steady... Uh, ready, yeah. Yeah, Ready, Steady Cook. Yeah. Um, which uh, there are two teams, red tomato and green pepper. Ainsley Harrod, just an incredible, like incredible human being. Um, so yeah, I feel like you got to have a double face card. You got to have red and green. Um, I don't know what the moves are. The, you... the gathering, you Pokemon is there a tomato shaped Pokemon and like a, surely um, tomato like a pepper shaped Pokemon? If not, uh, there is there is a garlic one. Oh Ooh. yeah, that's close enough. That's a that's a cooking implement oh. or a cooking ingredient even. 
Oh, there um, is one that looks like a tomato that's very Ainsley Harriet slicing through a I garlic think, Pokemon. I think it's meant to be a cherry, but cherubi yeah. is like... Oh, There's yeah, there we go, yeah. There is a garlic Pokemon. Hang oh, on. oh, my God, cherubi is very cute. I'm a big <laughs> fan of cherubi. Oh, no. Wait, what one is the... It's the garlic Pokemon with the long legs. Hang on. <laughs> keep, keep riffing. I'm going to look. Okay, well, okay, the two... <laughs> The two moves I give you meet a good old rub and uh, ready, steady, cook, uh, obviously. Um, and they do they do whatever you want. I don't care. I got an Ainsley Harriet Pokemon card at this there point. There it is. So... There's uh, a cherry and apple. Is... <laughs> there is. <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. Is yeah, it there out is, sweet? There is, there is a fan-made Pokemon card that just has a picture of a bowl with garlic on it. <laughs> 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 Which I'm going to send to you. I don't think it's very relevant to the podcast. but I, uh, I would love that. Yeah, I would love that. I can't remember what this Pokemon is called. And for some reason, the... the, the oh, Serena. It's like, it's got like a garlic body and long legs. Uh, and uh, it looks like a, it looks like, like female presenting. <laughs> it's one of those Pokemon. Right. Um, uh, Andy Houghton points out the Farfetch has a leak, which is pretty good. So I feel like we just true. bundle these together. All the potential ingredients. All the vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> all, yeah. All vegetable type Pokemon, which includes uh, uh, includes Bulbasaur, of course, who is a garlic. Yes. Oh no. Yeah. Just yeah. slice it. Yeah. Ainsley Harriet just like dicing a Bulbasaur. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Take there that is... Bulbasaur. You've had it coming for a while. <laughs> There is a pumpkaboo. Yeah, pumpkaboo's cute. Pumpkaboo's a little pumpkin. I there is an all, apple dragon. We should all clarify that people definitely eat Pokemon. Like that's yeah. Oh yeah. They eat slowpoke tails. Yeah. Exactly. Like we should get over that now. You know. But what type is Ainsley Harriet? Then is he just vegetable type? Is there a food type? <laughs> so uh, chef. Grass. Grass. Yeah, grass. I guess it would, it would probably be grass first, yeah. and then fire on the other side, right? Cooking and ingredient. Nice. There you go. And also happens to be green, green, green. red. Yeah, yeah. Uh. and happens to also be like the weakness to one another. <laughs> yes, yeah. unbeatable card. Mm. Uh, all right, Alex Mayan, who you got? Okay, I, I've gone through multiple ideas. Um, uh, I'm thinking, can I have two? Is that not allowed? Yeah. Uh, sure. You could have one of those uh, double trainers. Uh, okay. Uh, my first one is the actress Eva Green, who oh, yeah, okay. is my who is also my wife. <laughs> she doesn't know she's my wife, but you know, Ian's uh, got it's recognizability on this one. Yeah, no, Eva Green Eva is Green from is Casino famous. Royale. Yeah, she's I, don't, I don't think Sin she's City. that famous. <laughs> How dreadful. dare you? Sir. Outside Eva dreadful. Green, I would say Eva Green is like top, but well, not top top tier, but like I would say at least B tier celebrity. Thank sure. you, thank you, Matt. Beat I'm, it. I'm um, looking at her, her, uh, what's it called? Um, filmography, and I LinkedIn. I wouldn't say <laughs> LinkedIn. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a star-studded list of films. Well, wheels. Sometimes some of us don't always go for popularity. And no offense mm-hmm. to Matt Jarvis, Ainsley Harriet isn't exactly hugely well known. Ainsley Harriet in the UK no, a... is a is a very recognisable thing. Yeah, he's a not an S tier celebrity, but he's an S tier human being, from what yeah. I can tell. So there we go. Yeah. Guy Fieri, for example, would also be a great Pokemon card. <laughs> well, I don't want to do Guy Fieri. <laughs> I want to do some women. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, Eva Green would be dark type, obviously. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. is very mysterious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she will cut you. <laughs> Does she evolve into... Um... This is oh, a Digimon. Who am I thinking you know? of? 
Uh, why can't I think of a name? Was uh, Helena Bonham Carter? Does does Eva yeah, Green I mean, evolve into Helena Bonham Carter, or does Helena Bonham? I Carter think Helena Bonham Carter Eva evolves Green. into Eva Green. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Eva Green's dark type, uh, and her Pokemon would be. Let's think. I mean, Espeon is a classic. Mm. Um, not Espeon. Apologies. Uh, the dark type Eevee is Umbreon. Umbreon is the one. Yeah, Umbreon's pretty like classic. Or, or I mean, some people are, are suggesting Gothita, which I don't like. Gothita, it's a creepy Pokemon, but it is dark type. Oh yeah, it's meant to be. I guess. Uh, but I, I, I think she has something cool and elegant. Uh, I think you know, um, Umbreon could be a good pick. Uh, and then her like special ability would be. Hmm. Uh, something like, like just step, just step on or something. She has, she has very serious, uh, just like strong energies mm. of don't mess with me. Curb stomp. Um, that curb kind of stomp. Thing. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I think that would be my first pick. Um, Can I just quickly on on Eva Green? Hello. Oh. I don't know how she got on Casino Royale because every other film that she's done <laughs> has been minuscule. Because I, uh, for, for Sin City is uh, a big deal. Uh, is it? It's a cold right. classic. Right, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell. I'll tell you what film she's been in. Right, she's been in Casino Royale. Yeah, she's been in Sin City Two. She's oh, been not even in Sin City. Sin City Two. She's been in 302 as well. Yeah, again, this was what I was going to bring up. I was like, oh, she was in 300. I was like, no, wait, hold on. She was in 300 Rise of an Empire, which I've never heard of. I can't believe you're sitting here insulting <laughs> the green, you miserable little maggot. <laughs> She's going to uh, come over here and she's going to mess you up. Big one-hit wonder energy. That's all I'm saying. How dare That's you? That's very much <laughs> green. <laughs> well, that's my pick. There you go. I'm done. Oh, I thought you had a second one. You got a second no, one? I'm not doing. I'm not doing it now. That's <laughs> it. I'm too long. I can't believe we'll you do Florence Pugh. No. Well, I love Florence Pugh, but uh, I was waiting for you to insult her as well. No, I love Florence Pugh. She's Florence been in some Pugh. great films. She's a great actress. Um, uh, I don't know what type she'd be. She's very normal, I guess. Like, oh, there's normal types. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, normal type. Yeah, like the fighting with my family, like Florence Pugh, where she portrays Paige. She could just be hanging out with like a Machop or something, like a you know Fight wrestler type. type Pokemon. Yeah. Wouldn't you just pick Paige for that one? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> rather than the actress who played her in a film. <laughs> I think this is the it's like with people who appear in films as other people. It's like yeah, I mean that's the thing. That's why I said Eva Green because Eva mm. Green herself has very strong energy. Yeah, much like Danny yeah. DeVito. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, much like Danny DeVito. Yeah, they can be different roles, but you've always got this this feeling mm. about them. Um, <laughs> David Leonard Flanagan says, I can't wait for Eva Green to be the answer to a question in the DB Christmas Trivial Pursuit Night. <laughs> yeah, you know what's going to happen there. It's going to be the winning question as well. <laughs> mm. uh, all right. I think that's about all we've got time for. I don't think we had any questions in the chat unless someone wants to chuck them in now while I'm doing this outro. But well, like, they'll, say, be, they'll be real quick answers, I'll tell you that. Unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately our email is still broken. So for now, please don't send any emails to podcast at dicebreaker.com as you normally would. Uh, we well, you can, they just don't go anywhere. 
yeah, I tell you what, send them to matt at dicebreaker.com. Yeah, that them. works. That's fine. Send them just direct to me. I will read them and either go, oh, that's a good question, or disregard them entirely. <laughs> uh, I'm just looking, I'm just looking at the the garlic Pokemon card. <laughs> now imagine that fried up with like a side of Bulbasaur. It, oh no! A, stop eating Bulbasaur! Oh, hold on. We, we have had a question. Thank you, Andy Houghton. Uh, let me drop this into this document. And Wills, would you like to read it? Moral dilemma time. Is it wrong to buy games as presents for friends' birthdays slash Christmas because I secretly want to play it, even if they might not be a fan? Absolutely not. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> buy Marge a bowling ball that says Homer on it. It's it's <laughs> it's a valid strategy to, to guilt people into playing the games that you want to play them with you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's maybe not the nicest thing to do in the world, but you know. I mean, yeah, I, I, I have someone who regularly buys me presents that things that they think that I should like should like instead of not yeah, will instead like of, should like no, they will buy me and it, the thing is, it's very sweet and they do think a lot about it, but they'll buy me things that they're like, oh, like Alex, you know. You know, she should like this thing. She, this is something she should get into, and then I'll get the present. I'll be like, "That's nice," and now in my head, I'll be thinking, "I wish you got to be something that I actually already like instead of that." And it kind of has those kind of vibes. This question, but yeah, I would say that if you want, if you want to play a game with people, like either ask them first and then just buy it and take it along. Like you, I think buying it as a present is a bit, yeah, is a bit much. Yeah, but there's nothing you stopping you buying a game. Really like it. Like, yeah. yeah, I think getting getting a game from someone that you've not really heard of, but they really researched and they really think you're gonna like it, is a really sweet mm. thing. Um, but yeah, no, the uh, if they might not be a fan, I think uh, puts this yeah, yeah puts the question in a different kind of light. It's like buy it for yourself and then say, hey, I really would you be interested game. in playing yeah. this? I really would like to play it. But yeah, when you're when you're buying for other people, put them first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it, it's a tricky thing, isn't it? Um, because the thing is, a board. I think a board game is quite a big investment, mm. unless you're like, unless it's like a ten pound thing. So if you buy it and they don't like it, it, it you know, it kind of sucks. It's why yeah. I don't buy board games unless I've already played them at least, you know, a couple of times. I'm like, okay, I'm into this. I want to own it now. Like, yeah, I don't know. Go go to a board game cafe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> play it there. <laughs> Because then you're not making that commitment. Oh. Yeah. Uh, all right. That really is uh, all we have time for this week. Uh, thank you. We've got a few more questions coming in, but I will save them for next week uh, when we are back next Friday live from 2 p.m. GMT. Um, but for now, we've overrun. So we're going to call it there on this week's Dice Break Podcast. Thank you for being here, Alex Meehan. It's been great. I love having one of my favorite actors <laughs> just, just besmirched. Uh, <laughs> she was in Kingdom Wills? of Heaven. Wills. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the big defense? <laughs> I've been Matt Jarvis. Thank you for listening to this week's Dice Breaker podcast. We'll be back next week, as always, live on Friday. But until then, stay safe, look after yourselves. Until we meet again, have a lovely day. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.